This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Price, price, price. Our lives seem to be tied to it. And when it comes to customers, sometimes price is the only question they feel that they can ask. Instead of chalking them up as price shoppers, are you using it as an opportunity to build a relationship and educate them on the value of your services? Well, many struggle with this. From the Aftermarket Radio Network, it's Carm Capriato, and my panel discusses ways to make price irrelevant. Stay tuned and shift your perspective on price. Hey, thanks to our partner, Shopware, for providing you this episode. Do you want to grow your car count just a little higher? Or maybe you're dreaming bigger and want to open one more shop. Well, trust Shopware to provide the system you've been waiting for to make it happen. On the web, talk to my friends at GetShopware.com. Really sexy panel that I have here. Hmm. You need to get your eyes examined. Uh, and, and you're going to say, and I'm going to learn a bunch from these guys? And the answer is yes, you are. Uh, Bill Nalu, Interstate Auto Care, Madison Heights, Michigan. Hello, William. How are you doing, sir? I'm great, my friend. Good to have you here. Jim Hayes, General Manager, Pacific Motor Service, Monterey and Pacific Grove, California. Hey, Jim. Hello, Carm. Great to be here. Thank you. Rob Choicier, Choicier's Automotive Service, Davidsonville, Maryland. Hello, Bob, Robert. Robert, Bob, Rob. Just don't call me late for dinner, Carm. Uh, I won't, Rob. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Good to have you here. I want to remind everyone that each and every year, Apex puts out these incredible honors and awards for a service uh, for for shop owner of the year, for technician of the year, and service advisor of the year, and it is launched aapexshow.com forward slash service awards on Wednesday, August thirty first. That's the deadline. So, just about nearly what maybe seven weeks away. And if you can't think about someone inside the industry, a friend of yours, someone inside your company that is deserving of this honor and to be presented at the keynote speech at Apex this coming November, then you're not paying attention to the world around you. Bill, Norm Schultz from your company. Yeah. In 2020. Yeah. And he's, he's still riding. He's still riding high. Got a great honor. Technician of the year. So I'm going to ride this horse really hard over the next seven weeks. And in every show that we do that's live, I'm going to remind the world about these great Apex Awards. Please do me a favor. If you care about the aftermarket and advancing it as much as I do, let's, uh, let's, let's nominate some peoples out there. Okay, we're calling this... Are you selling experience or price? But really what we're talking about is we're selling the customer experience, but we were titling this How to Make Price Irrelevant. But I think there's two takes on this thing. Is it about price or is it about, you know, a customer experience? But Bill, you told me that 30 years ago you learned a big lesson. Yeah. Well, you, you know, Carm, you, you can call it whatever you want. This Motley crew, I'm, I'm afraid where we're going to go here in the next hour. <laughs> so, so with that said, you know, you've heard this a thousand times from me. The greatest lesson I ever learned was from my boss who didn't even have a high school uh, education. And I was having some trouble with a, with a customer and he was watching this and he said to me the words that I will never, ever forget. And he said, Bill, he said, either you lead the customer through the transaction or they lead you. If you lead the customer, you have a chance at a win-win proposition. If you let them lead you, it's definitely a lose-lose proposition. Is there anybody that can disagree with it? I mean, it's so simple. And most of life's greatest lessons are, I think, are anchored in elegant simplicity, whereby you find, you know, this is the second talking point that we were, that we may, that we may get to is also 
how it is that somebody who's an old fashioned kind of person, my, my old fashioned person was that Fred Meyer, the Meyer franchise, the Meyer grocery store king. This was the predecessor to Walmart, even a simple man who understood what kindness and what, what a blessing it is to have a customer walk in the door uh, lost, not knowing what to even ask. And we are entrusted uh, to guide them through this transactional looking process that if you do it the right way, turns into a, an incredible relationship, one that is, that is so blessed that you end up meeting other family members. And if you're, if you're so lucky to be able to do this for as long as we've been doing it, you're in many cases invited to the funerals of that first customer that invited you that who's a grandfather now, right? Let's build on that. I've been in this how mood lately. You know, every show that we've been doing, we're talking about concepts and principles and strategies. And I want my listener to say, oh, great. Thank you. But how? How, how do I launch? How do I get how do I jump over that line? Making price irrelevant, customer experience over price. The mentality of the of the counter, the people's at our counter, the culture of the company, the happy employee thing that all breeds down to that relationship. Should we not? And here's my how idea card behind the counter that says, hey, remember, we're here to build trust, value, safety, quality, caring. And if we were going over that every time the phone rang and the smiles were put on and someone walked in, even a legacy customer that has trusted us for years, you got to have the, you earn that every time. If not, they won't come back, right? Is it possible, guys, that the how on how to make price irrelevant is just being able to have the right frame of mind in every moment of every transaction? Jim, Jim, I, I know you believe in that. Well, I think the important part is obviously experience. I, I worked at Pebble Beach for quite a few years back in the day, and one of their mission statement, part of their mission statement, is basically to exceed the expectation of every guest every time. And that starts from when they call you on the phone. You have to set yourself apart from the competitor when they walk in the in the, in the door. Whichever department they're walking into, it has to set them. That experience has to start then. We had a lady. I was downstairs in the front office this morning talking to the people. And one of the clients, the guests walk in and say, hey, look at all these smiles, she said. This literally happened two hours ago. And we've got really good front counter staff that smile and they enjoy where they are. I even let one guy bring his bird to work because it makes him smile. He likes it. And as long as it doesn't eat anyone, I'm fine. But it really starts with having the right people in the front office to answer the phones and to greet the client so that they can feel that there's a difference in this place and in the competitor. And you've all called the competitors and sometimes you can't even understand what they're saying. So we spend a lot of time getting the right people that are willing, not, not just willing to smile, but it's their nature to smile. What Jim said there right at the end is the key to it. It's in their nature. And that is why it's so difficult to train people for this. It's impossible to train. Can you imagine trying to take a technician who's been beaten down in 30 years of, of, of wrenching. And at this point, you know, his back is, is gone. Shoulders are, are barely there, right? Uh, he manages to be able to, to learn to type 30 words a minute now, and he's cleaned himself up. And now you're going to put him into a situation that he hadn't, didn't want to do for 30 years. And we wonder why that doesn't work. It makes it and, hard. And I'm stereotyping. Obviously, I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush. But we wonder why it is that this square peg doesn't fit in the round hole. But it can if the culture of your company is truly a servant culture, you can train anybody to be nice. If it's in their heart already, if it's inherent to who they are as an individual, you don't need to train nearly as hard. 
But if you show them the outcome that's desired for themselves and then ultimately for the consumer, then you can train anybody to do it. Do you think that there may be a situation sometimes where you take that tech and they don't understand the value that they're providing? They don't understand what the value looks like at $159, $169, $189 an hour because they know sort of what, how easy it is it comes to them, right? How can I charge $560 for this starter job when I know, in fact, we've got this involved in it and this takes me 20 minutes to do because I've been doing it blindfolded for 30 years. It's funny how you take somebody who's a, a bank secretary, you pluck him or her in there, and they outsell the technician by four or five fold. It's true because they don't have the experiences on the other side of the equation. But you can take that technician if you actually educate them and show them the reasons we need to charge X for a job, the training, the taxes, the overhead. If you really go through the business of the business, you can train your GS to be good on the front counter. You can train your shop foreman. You can train your C-Tech, B-Tech, A-Tech, anyone, if you are transparent and truly educate them and train them in the position that you want them to be in. And if they don't want to be in that position, well, then they're not on the right seat of the bus, right? But you can certainly train anyone to sit in any seat if they're open to the training. And that's the thing. You have to be open to the opportunity that's presented to you. Just like every car or every phone call, if we're not open to that opportunity, it's not going to come in the door. I don't care how much you smile. Yeah. Do you notice how the, the conversation goes around? It goes to us telling the technician, so this is, you know, this is what we have to make and this is the gross profit that we have to have, whatever. And that there's nothing wrong with that. But in contrast, you pluck somebody in who has no automotive background and you say to them, this is what, this is what it's going to cost. And they go and say to the customer, yep, it's going to be $2,400. The great news is, is we can finance it if you don't have it in the budget and it'll be done by 5.30 this afternoon here. Is there anything that's going to prevent you from getting this authorized today? And it gets done and, and they do this over and over and over again because they have no other, um, they have no other restrictions that have been placed before them. It's almost like ex- the experience, in, in many cases, the negative experience around what it costs to fix a car and all the years of being beaten down by how much things cost and, and, and nowhere in this do, do we agree with the customer and say, you know, you're absolutely right, Robert. You know, I, I can't believe how much electricity is costing and how much gas is costing and how much employees and payroll and taxes and stuff. And so I guess my question, Robert, is will that be cash or credit? And they're like, well, yeah, they've had, they got it off their chest. And obviously I'm, I'm oversimplifying the process. We're our own worst enemies in this regard. Nothing tells a customer that they need a new part faster than when they see a worn or a broken one in their hands. How do you do that in the digital age? Well, it's easy. Thanks to DVX, you can send photos and videos within its messenger platform. It's like nothing else you've seen in an auto repair SMS before. Take the best of an Amazon-like experience and use it in your shop to show customers how great you are. DVX also makes it easy for customers to drop you a quick text or answer in the messenger bubble that arises from the repair order. It's like magic. Customers love seeing what they need to do and giving you a quick answer. You'll see your business potential right in front of you. Your customers get on with their day and you get back to the repair. Everybody wins. It's time. 
GetShopware.com. You're really trying to draw an analogy between a technician, a technician growing up into the service world, and I continue to hear from everyone. People coming from the hospitality business, Jim, they're not selling from their wallet. They're not selling from anything that they would know and not understand, meaning it takes me 20 minutes to do this job. Why are we charging 146? And it's the ROI on the business that's so critical. People don't know. If you go in and buy a dress set Macy's and you're paying $100, they don't understand that they may only make $20 on that dress because of all the costs and the return that they need to have. So I would love to put a bow on that philosophy that technicians may not necessarily, no disrespect, make the best service advisors. And let's move on as to how we can make what we currently have at our counter make price irrelevant. So Jim, this whole experience, leave the experience for the customer. I mean, is it warm and is it friendly? Isn't it cheerful? The minute price comes up, we need to talk about how long you keep in your car, talk less about talk about safety and value. I think there's such quick ways to disarm the customer. Well, I think we go into it kind of head first. We're not the cheapest in town. In fact, we're probably top 25%. But what the customer has to buy into is the understanding that we're the experts, that we have the best staff. And if you can set yourself apart from the moment that they walk in the door, maybe the moment before they walk in the door, when they talk to you on the phone, that they already know that you're the genius in the room, not me specifically, but the, the company as a whole, that when they come in, they're going to be taken care of at such a high level, price doesn't ever become the issue. Now, it's always something of a, of a factor when you talk about that $2,500 repair, that $700 repair, the 8000 I had a guy downstairs that sold a $16,000 suspension repair on a Subaru Baja the other day. But the staff that we have in place have embraced our hospitality atmosphere. We sell them and market them as being the experts. And for instance, in our Monterey shop, we have a guy down there who's hyper-enthusiastic about cars. It's his mission in life to save all vehicles from their owners. And what that means is if the car is not immaculately taken care of, he's offended. And he doesn't show that necessarily to the client. But this is a guy who drives around. He's a 30, 28-year-old guy. He drives around in the 1988 Cressida that's in mint condition. And he views the world through that lens. It's my job to save these cars from the client. I'm going to treat the client. He's a super gregarious, outgoing guy, smiles. And when he walks in the door, he's magnetic. And the way he speaks and the way he talks to the client about their car, he just sucks them into the whole maintenance and repair idea and how that can save them money down the road. And he shows them his 1988 car, et cetera, et cetera, and how many hundreds of thousands of dollars that'll save them. So when it does become part of the concept of the conversation of, of, of price, he also folds into that the mix of the savings that that upfront cost will, will bring. I think the combination of him as a personality, his passion and purpose where they intersect, and then the way he produces that, that atmosphere of, let's call it salvation, for the vehicle really brings the client into a space where they're not so much worried about the price. They're enthusiastic about keeping what they have for long term. And that's that's really valuable. I wrote the word genius down. Thank you, Jim, for that. We're the car genius. We, we know, we understand everything that you would possibly 
not know because the only thing you know to do is ask me what prices goes. The reason you come here is goes way, way beyond that. Sure, you're going to pay me something to fix this car, but we're going to fix it right because don't Google your problem. Google us. You let us Google. We're your Google. And, and, and we're the genius. And, and one other thing that I wrote, it, it, because I, I want to try to confirm some of these, these thinks that are going on, is that you're taking price right out of the equation because your service advisor wants to have their car like his car, be like me. So when you have this be like me mentality, Rob, you take it over, you handle it. And that customer just looks at you and says, they go from high, bold, italic positioning to, I trust this guy, this girl. Correct. When you can put the persona out there that we have your back, we are your, your car's advocate. We're here to support you. We're here to serve you and get you the most out of your vehicle. And we can do that. You know, that's the thing is when you can deliver on that, you do have the highly trained staff. You do have the, the processes and things in place to do it efficiently. So you start to deliver on that because everybody comes in, if, especially if they're new, they are, they've divorced some other shop. You know, they're looking for a new opportunity because they've been impacted negatively someplace else or they're traveling you know there's there's other variables but if they're in your community and they come to you and they're older than 16 they've been to some other shop with their automobile and when they come to you they're looking for a better opportunity than where they have been before but they're not sure what that opportunity clearly looks like so you'll get those how do you how much is it can you give me a price on this job or that job or the other job and you can't give a price because you don't know what condition it truly is in. You don't know what, who worked on it last time, what parts were used on it last time. And anybody that does those phone quotes, you're really shooting from the hip without a good knowledge base. You have your own experiences that you're bringing to that conversation, but you don't know the condition of that car. I can have four 2010 Honda Accords come in. They're all silver. They all have 80,000 miles on them. They're all in different states of repair. One was driven by grandma. One was driven by the 18-year-old. One just came back from being overseas. And one was just bought, but it was bought from Detroit, and it's in Florida. Well, Florida, you don't have rust issues, but this car just came from Detroit. It's got rust issues. You don't know until you look at an automobile what true condition it's in, so you definitely can't provide an accurate estimate. But what you can tell the consumer or the customer or the guest, if you actually get them through your door, is we can fix it. We can guide you. We are experts, and we're here to help you. I love where this is going, but I have a really important question. Bill, you're so good in the face of the customer in in building that trust level by, by taking over the conversation. If you're looking for a trusted shop to care for your vehicle and to make it as reliable based on the current cost today, thanks for coming here. I, I, I know we're going to prove to you that you won't have to go to another place ever again. Does that take price out of the issue? Jim said something earlier that I agree with in principle, but in application, I offer a different perspective. And, and this is sort of how this goes here. He said something about the fact that we know we're not the cheapest place in town. I guess on price, if we judge ourselves on on the on the price of the, of the I don't know maybe the labor rate or something like that, why can't we be the cheapest place in town? Why can't we be the shop 
that says to the customer, hey, congratulations, you found us. And then if the conversation doesn't move to to repairs, and which is with 90% of the time it does, if we're still focusing on price and the customer absolutely insists now and they've got you know two different estimates and now they've got your labor rate, your, all this other stuff, why can't we say, is it possible that a $159 entry door rate could be cheaper than $49 an hour? And listen to what that person, because if that person says, well, explain to me how so, then we can go into the, the uh, subject in which we can say, what do you get, by the way, for half the, so let's suppose our, our break job, is, you know, we got 800 bucks or something like that for this break job. And you think that you can get this done for 400 bucks. So you're just going to have the fronts done and not the rears. Do you still have a vehicle that's drivable at this point? What that customer's input in that conversation, it, it means everything. Because then at that point in time, you know whether they're just locked into price uh, or whether they'll even have a discussion out of price at that point. Because I frankly have never met a customer who wants to do something as cheap as I can do it. And I've offered, I've, I've, I've said as much, I've, you know, Carmen, you and I have talked about this. I've had stories where after all is said and done, I've taken away parts and labor and, and, and what have you. After all is said and done, I've, I've offered to do it for free. And he's like, well, what's the catch? I said, well, why do you think there's a catch? He says, because there always is one. And, and the catch is, I'll give you the warranty. I'll, I'll have a master technician working on the car. They'll top rated parts. The only catch is I can't get to it right now in April. You've got to leave it with me till Christmas because that's when somebody can't, you know, I, nobody's fixing their cars in Christmas time. And they look at you sideways going, what are you crazy? I need this for work for tomorrow. How interesting. Price is the actual, actually the last thing that we talk about. It, it's the least important thing after we've decided what parts are going to go on the car and who's been working on the car and how long we've been in business and what our warranty is and whether it's loaner cars or whether there's financing available. After all that crap is done, then price comes in really. But no, we're going to let the customer come in with price. You walk into shops out there that have a sign behind. This happened to me years ago. The sign behind the door says arguing with our, our counter people is much like wrestling a pig in mud. After your while, you realize the pig is actually enjoying himself. That's who this person is comparing us to. We, we employ the best people in our industry. And we're, we're sitting here, we're, we're trying to justify to the customer. I'm not the best converter of phone calls in the world. I know I'm not. But it's amazing what happens when you ask that Barry Barrett type question, when you say to that customer, so you want a price? Okay, I'll give you a price. Before I give you my price, what do you think this is going to cost? And it's amazing what they tell you, right? I think this break job is going to be $250, right? Okay, so would you be interested in knowing whether it's just a rear brake job? Would you be interested in finding out whether this vehicle needs other work? Well, I should, I should hope so. I'm not going to put money into a car that, that needs you know, $2,000 worth of work elsewhere. Well, how about we find this out? How about we, before we talk about your brake job, why don't we get your vehicle in for a courtesy check so we can verify that you don't need $1,500 worth of front-end work and you don't need $2,500 worth of, of engine work and, and $3,300 of transmission work. We're not having this conversation on the phone with the customer. And, and if they hang up the phone, they're gone. That's okay. That's not my customer. But amazingly, they're listening. There's somebody on the phone that's listening to you saying to them, so what's going through your head right now? Well, I didn't hear this from the other five places that I called today. Okay, so what is it that prompted you to, to, to not go to the guy that was going to do a $99 break job? Well, I just, I didn't believe that they could do a, do, a break job for $99. Okay, that's very wise of you, Carm. What do you think it should cost? And, the, and at, as long as we're engaging with them, we have a chance of getting them into the real world where we're going to have real conversations about what, what's, what something's really going to cost. 
that we can back up with our reputation. Since this topic is about experience and we could talk about all the ways to take a person off top dead center when it comes to price, let's talk and let's teach our industry what that experience really means so that price just goes away. We try to foster an environment where they, A, they're not surprised by the price, and B, maybe A, it doesn't come up, and B, they're not surprised by it. We also try to convert and to answer Carm's question, how many, how many new clients am I looking for a week? I'm looking for 25%. I want 10 out of 40 clients that walk through the door to be new, and we spend enough time on those clients on the phone. So our conversion rate, our phone conversion rate is about 30%, which is pretty good for the industry. And on top of that, if I can get two and a half out of 10 people to walk in the door new that have divorced the shop or haven't come or they're new to the area or they're traveling through the area to meet the people on the front counter, A, they don't want to leave because it's an engaging environment. B, they don't even start questioning price unless they're consumers, So we have this process we call the three C's that Kevin, our owner, either came up with or stole from someone else or someone. But basically, it starts from consumer. We we transition them from consumer to customer to client. And a consumer is your price fighter. They call, they price check, they call three other shops, they come in and they question all the nuts and bolts and why why it's so why the price is what it is. So we can start to vet on the phone, of course, but once we get them in the door, and I want everybody to walk through the door because then they start to understand what the price is going to be. Just like when you walk through the doors at Pebble Beach, you know you're not going to pay $100 for that round of golf and $25 for that dinner, but you walk in there expecting the experience and you're willing to pay it when you walk out the door. So when they come in, we can start to convert them from consumer to customer. And that consumer is going to be super price conscious. He might bring in that $50 coupon for an oil service. But after a visit or two, he becomes a customer and he understands the game. He understands why it's important to maintain the vehicle properly, the costs that you're going to incur over the lifetime of a vehicle. And we preach 20 to 25 years, 200 to 250,000 miles. So he starts to understand. And then after two or three or four or a half a dozen visits, they become clients. And then the family starts to come in as a client. They leave credit cards and car keys. And that's our goal when we check them in. Because it's, hey, Rory, good to see you. Here's your cookies. And here's the car keys and a credit card. And we try to convert them from consumers to clients over the course of a year or two. So that that relationship becomes the reason why they come. And now it's no longer really about the price at all. Knowing that person enters as a consumer and we're willing to build them into a client, some come up fast, some don't. How do you manage that timeline? How do we know as a service advisor, as an owner, as a manager, is there any CRM program that says, hey, they've been here this many times? And are we just going for the feel? What's the strategy to build them into a client? There's no strategy because everybody's different, right? You may walk in the door and and you link up and there's a connection right away with our service advisor. You're now a client. It might be on the phone call. You may be someone who declines everything on your car forever and you're going to be a customer forever, a consumer rather. Uh, And we don't eliminate anyone. We kind of tell them what we do here. This is how we do it. This is the experience you're going to expect. This is the way we deliver our message. And we believe we can be the best in the world at at diagnosing, collecting information, disseminating that information. This is what we do. So we talk to them a lot about what we do and how we do it and why we do it up front. 
And if this is what you like, this is what you're going to get. And if this is not what you like, then awesome. Jiffy loops down the down the road and there's Midas and whatever. Please feel free to go there because this is what you're going to get here. And it's not for everyone. But if they want to become a consumer and stay a consumer and have a relationship of a consumer, you can still be a friendly consumer. You're not a jerk. You're just not going to fix your car. We don't eliminate them. We just spend way less time on them over the course of six or seven visits. We know that they're not going to approve the the tires or the suspension work, but they will do the brakes, whatever. So we treat them accordingly. We don't spend a ton of time while the clients come in and now it's like a family relationship. Now we really spend a lot of time, and you talked about the 80-20, the Pareto principle earlier. We really spend 80% of our time on the 20 or 30 or 40% of the clients that are going to get the uh, keep the lights on, let's say. But we treat everyone with the same level of respect and enthusiasm, regardless of whether they want to remain a consumer or become a client. So the people at your counter have the confidence, Rob, they have the confidence that we are going to make this consumer a client. And if not, they're going to go nicely down the road, but we're still going to give them the greatest experience they ever had as if they were a client. Yes, we treat everyone as if they are a client, whether they're a consumer or a customer. And through that process, and just like Jim was saying, you know, we know exactly, you know, to put it in Chick-fil-A world, we know exactly how we cook our chicken sandwich. And everybody's on board with why we cook our chicken sandwich that way, how we cook our sandwich that way, and what that means for the consumer or the customer or the client. We do it this way every time, and because of that, the team has continuity in the whether you're a consumer first time or you're a 20 year client, you expect that. And when we deliver on that, your trust takes 20 years to build and five minutes to disseminate. But you can never compromise that trust, never compromise that integrity by making sure that you follow the same process each and every time, each and every customer. There are no extra customers. There may be customers that don't agree with your process, they don't agree with your philosophy on automobiles or your you know, plan for their automobile, they have that opportunity to, to make their own choices. But us as guides, we need to guide them the same way on every time. Hey guys, I want to take another really quick break and I want to come back. Hey, don't forget apexshow.com slash service awards. The service award nominations are up until the end of August. Shop owner, technician, and service advisor of the year. Uh, this particular past week, we launched a brand new podcast on the Aftermarket Radio Network, the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast from Brian and Kim Walker, a great husband and wife team. They were in the, the shop business. Brian was a Mercedes master tech. And they have this incredible agency that helps and exclusively works for shop owners. So we're really, really happy. There's three episodes out there. Find them on all your favorite podcast listening apps. Okay, guys, uh, again, thank you so much for being here. I wanted to go to you, Rob. You were telling me that there's this uh, desired outcomes are, are priceless in how you deal with your customers. Cover that for us. So desired outcomes is people want to have freedom. They want to have um, continuity. They want to have, what did I actually say? It's freedom, efficiency, excitement, recognition, safety, utility, and exploration. That's why people buy automobiles. Those, you know, six or seven reasons. And when 
they lose the ability to pursue those, that's when they end up in your shop. When they you know, feel the loss of freedom because they go out to start their car and the battery's dead. Or they start consuming more fuel. Or their check engine light comes on. Or their neighbor gets a better car and they want their car to, to look better. So they come to you for different wheels. or the, you know, Different things like that um, is when people start to lose those pieces of their life, then they will come to look for you. Those are priceless. People spend and lose an enormous amount of money buying a car or repairing a car to regain those losses. We spend time actually discussing not all of those exactly, but those sorts of things with the clients when they come in the door too. Yeah. This is what you're here for, and this is what we're going to promote, and this is what we're going to extend to you over the course of the next however many years this relationship lasts, hopefully forever. But that's a good point to bring into that conversation right away so that they now, because sometimes they come in, they don't know why they're there. They don't know, the, they don't have that list, but they know the list. They just don't have it at the tip of their tongue, let's say. So we start to bring that sort of an item into the conversation right away so that they, they kind of understand and we can have that level of a conversation that most shops won't have. What are their pain points? What did they lose that landed them in your shop? They lost confidence in their automobile. Sure. You know, it's, it's car pain. It's enduring confidence. It's convenience. If you lose your vehicle, you lose convenience in your life. You get the, you, I think you wrote something about loss aversion, right? People hate to lose more than they like to gain. So if you can fight that or fit your product into that, the prevention of loss, then you're going to be a winner. Correct. By the way, just to promote Robert's episode with me, it was Remarkable Results 656. It was back in July 21. Ask, what are your car pains? In fact, he's got that trademarked. Isn't that cool? If, if I was walking in for my first relationship, and Bill, and if, and if I was crazy enough to ask how much, and someone took me off top dead center and said, so what's the car for? Is it work? Is it pleasure? Is it hunting? Is it camping? Is it, you know, is it daycare? What is it? Wow. I mean, this, this guy, because what he wants to do, what the orthopedic surgeon says, oh, you're playing soccer. We've got to treat this wound or this injury so much differently in how we get you back up on your feet than anything. To me, there's a major secret. Yeah, is it a tool for your life or is it a toy for pleasure? Those are the two differentiating yeah. factors of your automobile. Some people, they combine them. That car needs a lot more maintenance. It's being used for multiple purposes. It's off-road on the weekends, but it's the shuttle driver during the week. So you have to figure out how is this car being used? Is it your primary or is it your secondary? And once you get to that level of conversation, the consumer, the client, or the customer, they realize that you are really trying to figure out and help guide them, you are their advocate and ultimately their vehicle's advocate. To, to say nothing of the fact that there may be an emotional attachment. Might have been dad's car, right? Mom's car. Yeah. As you were talking, Robert, earlier, I, I don't know why I, I, I thought about sort of uh, veterinary clinics. What does it look like when, when somebody comes in, they've got a 15-year-old pet? Is your relationship with your client strong enough such that you can have a, a a very uncomfortable conversation, be it about maybe, you know what, it's it's time that we start thinking about 
getting out of this vehicle here because I think it's going to be more expensive for you to keep it. How do you feel about that here? Well, it's mom's car. I think we're going to end up keeping it for all. Okay, that's fine. But I'm going to continue to remind you, Robert, that this vehicle, you know, at 224,000 miles on the vehicle here, you're going to start accruing some expenses that you may not be able to get back because if you crash this vehicle, it's only worth $2,000 blue book value. So if we put three or four grand into it, I'm okay with doing that. I'm here to do what you want me to do. But just please understand we're having this conversation because I'm thinking about this because to me, you're my customer, not the car. I mean, no, we're, no, we're working on your car, but our relationship has to remain intact because I have to think about this car repair as if it was my own. I have to look at things that you may not be looking at right now because the customer might be emotional about something. It could be a, it could be a conversation about how you found some, I don't know, you found a, a blunt uh, and his son's his son was driving the car, son or daughter. Are you willing to have a conversation with mom or dad about this relationship. And if you're not, then it may be that that this relationship isn't strong enough. I do. I don't have a problem having a conversation father to father, father to mother about what's going on here. Why I give myself permission to have a conversation about this. And I don't have to tell you gentlemen about this, but this is these are the moments that infuse. I mean, I had a young man here that towed his car in for something and he found us online. And uh, he just bought the car a few weeks ago. As I'm asking him questions, I find out he bought the car cash. He bought it from somebody he didn't verify as the owner of the vehicle. He says, well, I have the title. I said, well, who signed it? He goes, well, it was already signed before. So as we're walking through all this stuff, he starts to, to, to get scared about whether he bought a lemon. I said, well, we're going to find this out. But the good news is you're never going to make that mistake again because that only happens one time. And I said, by the way, that's my story, too. When I was 16 years old, that's what happened to me. And, and, and this, my whole world changed. The reason I have this business is because of that. You don't think this has become a client, like as Jim was saying, this becomes a client right then and there at that point in time. I would have to work extra hard to lose this client as a lifelong client from this point on. Well, you've mentored them. And through mentorship, you've built trust, which establishes relationship. Yeah. And it takes the transaction away. When you establish relationship, the transaction becomes secondary because there's a trust there that you can stand on. You built a foundation of trust. Every other interaction, every other transaction is built on this trusting relationship. And by the way, God help you if you meet a customer that says, you know, you ask them, how, how do they find you? Well, I, I've, I've tried a dozen other shops around town and every single one of them has ripped me off. God help you if you take on that client. You've been married 12 times and every single time it's the wrong girl. Okay. Okay. It's the girl. All right. We're going to do this the 11th time. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sometimes we're just the next idiot in line. Yeah. But <laughs> Get in you line. Can vet those guys. You can vet those guys pretty fast, hopefully. Right. By uh, th thank you so much for, to Nathan Adcock. He says uh, it's like being a car counselor. Again, I always look for these, if you will, these mental gems as you're getting ready uh, to take the company's culture to a brand new customer. As Jim says, 25% of them every week got to come in the door and we got to know how to play it. Nothing dishonest, nothing negative. The, the word play is not meant to be negative, but it's, it's, it's how do I build this interaction? Car counselor and, and all these other great ideas. What's the family all about? What's the occupation, the recreation, the dreams of that customer? And if, we, if we're out there wanting to say, could this be my new best friend? Uh, wow. Uh, well, how do, you, how do you start to build a relationship like that? Price is irrelevant. Carm, it's like emergency services. 
Okay, an EMT meets you on your worst day of your life. Paramedic, whatever, ER doctor, they always meet you in an emergent situation. Well, when somebody brings their car in, if they're not a client, they're that first-time customer, we're meeting them on an emergent situation. So they need to have confidence that we're going to assess them, look at the scope of the situation, and address it appropriately. That's professionalism. But if everyone on your team doesn't bring that the same way, then your team does not have continuity. It does not have integrity. You can have integrity. Your master tech can have integrity. Your shop foreman can have integrity. Your writer manager, your front counter assistant, your parts manager, all these people can have personal integrity. But if they aren't unified in the way that they present your product, the way they look at this situation, then your product, I'm sorry, does not have integrity. When is a car beyond repair? When is a car you're putting good money after bad? What can we expect a car to last? Jim said 20 or 25 years. You can't get 25 years out of a car in Bill's neighborhood. It's not going to happen. We say in Maryland, 15 years or 300,000 miles. We get people way past that. We have people approaching a half a million miles. Original engines, original transmissions through maintenance. There's so many variables across the country and around the world. However, if you know your market and everyone in your shop understands your environmental challenges, then they can guide anybody in your community to success with their automobile. Well, look at guys. Bill and Robert have had so many great things to say. Jim, I want to wrap up the show and give you the last word. I think when it comes down to making price irrelevant, it's really about what both Robert and Bill said. It's about valuing the client, making building a relationship. Trust is a foundation that you can't get easily. And it's hard to lose if you have it properly. And you've established that, then then price won't be a, a long-term issue. It might start out as being an issue, but it will become irrelevant as that relationship develops. It's so much to learn as we do these shows each and every week and all the podcasts to advance the aftermarket. I think there's a lot of learning here, a lot of inspiration as people will listen to this on their drive to and from work, in the shower, at the track, at the gym. That's where all the podcasts are listened to. So thanks, guys, so much. Bill Nalu, Interstate Auto Care, Madison Heights, Michigan. Jim Hayes, General Manager, Pacific Motor Service, Monterey and Pacific Grove, California. And Rob Choicier from Choicier's Automotive Service, Davidsonville, Maryland, who has that uh, car pain thing. We eliminate car pain and keep you on the road of life. Yeah, I know. Go, go and listen to that episode. That was uh, that was really special. Uh, 656 uh, remarkable results back in, in July of 21. Great weekend, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, great weekend, everybody. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time...